0: on chuckleheads i am carlo guadagnino this is the dingo talk alumni tour my guest this week is mark swagger class of 1982 uh cross country track uh coach runner all american all conference everything you could think of in the cross country world um and then he has a couple other interesting things that he that he has done throughout his life but you, again you don't want to hear that for me that's why you're watching the show you want to see the person that is the guest so without further ado this is mark swagger What's going on, chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is class of 1982, Mark Swiger. Uh, Mark, thank you very much for being a part of the show. Thank you. We're going to talk about everything that we talk about every week. Mark's going to tell us about how he got to Bethany. We're talking about a little bit of cross country. We're going to talk about some academics, maybe a fraternity in there. And then he's going to explain to us this varsity B that I have heard so much about. So let's start with, how did you find, how did you end up here at Bethany?
1: Well, it actually started with a recruiting letter from Dave Waddle. And although I'd heard of Bethany, I grew up in Elkins, West Virginia. Uh, There was one Elkins uh, student at Bethany at the time, Jeff Severino, Mm -hmm. who was a teammate of mine on the track team two years ahead. Uh, So I got the recruiting mail and I've been recruited by a lot of places, but you know, who. Who would have a chance in in Hades of running for an Olympic gold medalist? So, uh, my planned a visit and uh, came up and just fell in love with the campus immediately. Um, Went back to Elkins, applied, uh, and then I found out that our guidance counselor and our principal were both Brook County natives. And they loved Bethany and so my guidance counselor Goldie Basil mm-hmm. uh, actually helped me fill out the information uh, raved Bethany and so I had uh, some support in high school had uh, uh, a recruiting opportunity to run for a gold medalist and then as I started to investigate the school I'm like this this place is just an awesome place the faculty Uh, I wasn't a stranger to making the phone calls to find out more information. I had been recruited by Fairmont and Glenville and scholarship. Uh, but I just fell in love with it and said, well, I'm going to go to division three school and uh, focus on my academics and and on this fun, being on a fun team with, with a gold medalist and all those people that he brought in that year. It was a big, big freshman class.
0: Well, and that, you know, seems to work out as I'm looking at your stat at, at the stats here. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but so you were an All-Conference in cross country. You were an All-Conference in track and field, All-NCAA Division III South Southeast Regional and cross country, um, twice a cross country national qualifier, and placed second at the NCAA South Southeast Regional. Did I cover every? Did I miss anything?
1: Uh, that's enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and you are a Bethany Hall of Famer as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that whole team uh, I oftentimes look back at that 1980 uh, cross-country team as being sort of the that, – that was an awesome – 80 and 81 had six of our seven varsity runners are now in the Hall of Fame. So I'm just one of a, a, a very – it's a storied past for Bethany in, in cross-country. It was just a phenomenal four years. Um, I couldn't have chosen a better place to be. Uh, with those all those guys and they, they tend they are my best friends in the world to this day so not only did we I've called the paradox of sport right so while we're doing it, it seems so so important and at the same time it's insignificant compared to the friendships the teamwork camaraderie um, you know just the feeding off of each other's enthusiasm and being friends <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't set that alarm on fire. That was, made, you know, there were times of, you, you let the cat out of the bag earlier, Carlo. I was a Sigma Nu. So we heard a few of those alarms go off over the Once years. or twice.
0: Just once <laughs> or twice. We will come back to that. Well, let's, let's go to that. So you, was Greek life something that you saw yourself when you went to college that was going to be a thing? Or did it just because of a group? the group that was at Sigma Nu at the time that became.
1: Yeah, I just think Bethany had a, a strong Greek foundation. What was interesting about Bethany compared to some of the notes to, that I had for people like who were going to WVU and some of the other liberal arts schools was the fact that um, Greek connections were campus wide. And so everyone went to everyone's parties. Everyone mm-hmm. tended to be greek and independent and so you found yourself in a network of of young men like i surround myself with the sigma new house as being uh just fun to be around it was uh it was a diversion from all the hard work that was going on in class and from training and all those things to connect yourself to some guys who are typically pretty crazy but uh really really to this day we you know we get together once a year at the Michael DeStasio Golf Tournament there're 60 70 guys over at Ogilvy in June every year last year we couldn't but this year we're going to get back to normal mm-hmm. so it just appealed to me just like that cross country group did and track track team did it was your network of friends it was the it was the people who you wanted to associate yourself with i didn't have any predetermined views about greek life when i was a senior in high school I, I came to bethany we toured we saw the fraternity houses we saw greek life um at, in action to a degree but we didn't i didn't have any predetermined notion that i was ever going to be in a fraternity but i ended up at the sigma new house and yeah and i as some of the best times of my life um associating with that group of friends and then all of my other friends around Bethany. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been great with Facebook and Twitter and those things to reconnect with some of those folks that we were, we, maybe we weren't great friends back then, but we found out through just social media that we're really good friends. Yeah. <laughs> we are now and maybe weren't back then. So uh, Bethany's one of those places, but uh, my daughter went there, her husband went there um, I hope my grandchildren go there and fall in love with it, just like I did. So it was a combination of Sigma Nu, track and field, my history classes and, and, and political science classes that made it one big package that it, was, it just was four great years. You
0: know? when you, so you talked about your classes. What was the, the curriculum like when you were coming through? As a as a student, come in at the end of the seventies and then the early eighties.
1: Well, you know everyone wanted to be a political science major after Watergate, and <laughs> uh, you know and it was interesting that I was a history major but took all the poli sci classes. Um, this was always a, a uh, loved history as a young man, and and then Bethany sort of challenged me. What I found unique wasn't until I left Bethany that what. Uh, The history and poli sci classes uh, were to me. Uh, I I ended up being a department chair at a a high school and as a history major, almost all the other places that I, the people on my staff went to state schools where they became a social studies teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't have a particular discipline. They just studied all of them and got their certification and became a teacher. Uh, I was a history major, so I was able to dive deeper into the discipline. And I think it did, it, you know, all of, all of Bethanians could probably attest to this if they've had to compare themselves to colleagues and those things, isn't to devalue the colleague, but to really, really give Bethany its credit. And that mm-hmm. it challenged us to critical thinking, the liberal arts allowed us to be more rounded, better rounded. Um, and then it, 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 what was really interesting about Bethany wasn't taking the Bubbled multiple choice tests, right? You took that maybe in the survey courses, the low courses, the 100s. Yep. But when you went through your major, the challenges took place. You had to really articulate blue books. The, yes, the blue books. And and I I still to this day, uh, so now I write occasionally write articles for some a couple of magazines, local magazines, some things like that. I, I didn't te- I didn't test out of comp. Robin Cole taught me. How to write my freshman year, Bethany and I, w- I didn't have great a great background in English, but then I end up writing grants for a living and all kinds of things. But I, I attest all give Bethany all that credit to pre- have prepared me for a professional world in ways that you can't you couldn't identify unless you went through it, and then you don't really recognize it till you look back. And then and now you're I, seeing it, and in a lot of ways, you know. I'm presently working at WVU as a statewide director for a child literacy nutrition program that's just an award-winning program and, and relishing that all of this, this work that's so important and needs to be done. Um, and that, that comes back to Bethany, you know, that whole idea of executive director, those kind of things, those were the things that Bethany prepared you for that you would never know until 30 or 40 years later. And, and you do have to reflect back and, and believe that that's where it came from. So now we get to,
0: this is, this is the juice that I've been waiting on because I had Dr. Grimes on, I had Dr. Kappel, Ken Morgan, and I keep hearing this, the Varsity B, Varsity B, Varsity B. What was Varsity B
1: and what was your experience like being a part of it? it it's, kind of the letterman's club, right? So you letter in some sports and you become the, the you're on the varsity B, you're sort of, there's no initiation to it. Um, There was, you you were a member and we didn't gather a lot. I think it's probably the predecessor to things like the student activities, SAAC or whatever they call it now but every campus probably had a varsity club that ended up being something that you could form into something a little more formal these days but varsity b was nothing more maybe a picture in the in the yearbook picture at the end of the year and then (laughs) so you bring up the yearbooks
0: what was it like going to because i don't know if that's something that's a college-wide thing in america but it definitely seemed to be a very strong tradition here at bethany that you know you had the harbinger and you had the yearbook
1: yeah well you know i still have a few of those here at the house and they're fun it's like anything that I'm running a child literacy program, and I, I really believe that like uh, having that actual book in your hands and t- moving the pages, mm-hmm. gives aesthetic value to reading about it. It's not like leafing through a digital uh, yearbook. Uh, so in so many ways, the printed press, even though I, I value it greatly, is kind of put, being pushed aside for the easy way. To, to publish, right, digital yeah. way, and so uh, I'm always going to be a promoter of books over digital, just simply because it's just great, now it's sitting in a recliner and leafing the pages, and it, having it fall on my chest to wake me up so I could read it, <laughs> and finish reading it, but uh, no, it's it's far more uh, aesthetic, but I also think that it has a lot, you know, ha- there's, there's a lot about reading that you get from actual books,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you won't get from a digital copy. But I do have a Kindle app on my iPad. I still do all that stuff, but there's something about reading a book and mm. picking it up. And I think the yearbook is a good example of that. Uh, and so it's fun to look through the old book every once in a while. And so I don't, I don't ever go look for the Bethany uh, yearbook on the, the screen, but I will- have one. one up. Yeah, because I'll go pick one up and that's just much more enjoyable and, and uh, aesthetic for me.
0: All right. So the last question for this part, uh, there, there was a building across the street from where I live and, you know, the Sigma news from, from everything that I've, I've gathered from them spent a lot of time as much as they spent academically. They spent just as much time in that building across the street, Bubba's. Is there, is there any one particular memory that you can pull from being in that
1: building? Wow. Um, it all runs together. I could give the Bill Clinton answer like didn't inhale, but I, I would say, uh, you know, I was, maybe I was too drunk to remember. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, no, it was just, it was always a lot of fun going to Bubba's. Bubba, Bubba himself was a fixture in that place. And um, you wouldn't realize how much fun we really had down there, but Bubba was connected to all of us in, mm-hmm. in ways you can't even imagine. I went on to coach later on at uh, Wheeling Jesuit. I started the track and field cross-country programs down there, a very storied past down there. It was a great program. It was, I was on the track in 1996, 97, just after we opened the track, and I look up on the hill, and if you're familiar with the Jesuit track, there's a parking lot above the front straightaway, and I look up there, and there's Bubba in that big maroon van watching the track meet. He followed us and you know when you went down to his place it was like um he was you know he was such a fixture I think it all runs together because it was just another night at Bubba's of course Bubba had Bubba's top 40 is all you could play on a jukebox it was funny like when my daughter went there in the early parts of the millennium um that same songs were on that jukebox yeah. <laughs> So, so it didn't change gonna, much, but we changed the lyrics to those songs a little bit. That was part of the, the fun of, uh, of, of Bubba, is you could just have a good time and, and sing along. And, and we, had, we had a blast every time we went in there. Uh, and I think it was more about Bubba and the atmosphere than it was about any single thing that happened in there, but it was a place to go. Uh, it was, it, and I, in some ways, Uh, It bothers me to know that our our present students don't have that opportunity. At the same time, uh, the world has changed and there's there's an awful lot of challenges that young people have today that we didn't have as much back then. So uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it was on a pat. it was on a way from class to home. To home. (laughs) So it was, you know, so why not? We stopped (laughs) off a few times. (laughs) Again, once or twice, not- (laughs) few, yeah, right.
0: Well, and that building has changed because when you were here, it was just the brick structure. Bubba had not added the, what I've been told is called the annex or the, the right. addition.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it was elbow room only. And it was so crowded. And we, we actually had fun because Thursday night was West Lib night. Uh, West Lib's a commuter college. So uh, their weekend started on a Thursday night, not Friday. Yeah. So Thursday night, the West Lib students came over because they were going home the next day right after class. And so it, it just was a nonstop. And Bubba had a pretty good grip on that. It was a little bit of a rivalry, some things going on there probably that shouldn't, but he had a good grip on that. And so I think he, he had, he ran, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, obviously the drinking age was 18 then it wasn't 21. There were a lot of things that allowed that to happen, but it I just don't remember anything really bad happening there. It was just a fun place to be. And, um, and credit to people to Bubba and his wife and Chuck Kern, who, who took it over a little bit later, uh, to have run that place um, to benefit the school. I think they did. And
0: I, I don't think anybody that's ever stepped foot in that building as a student or as
1: an alumni coming back would, would disagree with you there. Um, I will tell you one thing, though. One story... And this is later on again in life. So my daughter, we go up to, we take our daughter up to homecoming and she was like 12 years old. We're out at the football field and and having fun with the Sigma Nu tent and the athletes tent, the track tent. Uh, And so we decided to go to Bubba's and she was really upset with us that, you know, 12 years old, we took her into a bar. So she was upset with us. And then she goes to Bethany, and then and she we, probably well. had a good
0: time with us.
1: <laughs> well, I hope we weren't the reason that she had uh, it. It wasn't lead by uh, example type. <laughs> but we love, we love that whole atmosphere, and my my family really is is attached to Bethany in ways that you can't imagine unless you are attached to it. So. Well.
0: So we've come to a we've come to a really good spot. I think it's a good spot to send it to another fellow alumni, KJ Karen Dunn with Maple Shades Outdoors. Uh, everything outdoors actually, as we're recording this, I just got a text from him that is uh, today was turkey season for him down in Maryland, and he got one. So maybe I'm getting some turkey jerky or something. I don't know, or he just decided to send me the picture of it. But if you wanna you wanna follow them on Instagram, it's maple underscore shade dot outdoors or the easier road since you're already watching this show on youtube first hit the subscribe button and the like button on the video then go up to the search bar and you can type in maple shade outdoors you don't need the underscore you don't need a dot um his channel they're doing a lot of stuff they show you everything from how to set your tree stand things about with with hunting with a bow and arrow uh just outdoors life in general but we'll be right back this is mark swagger class of 1982, I am Carlo Guadagnino, and this is the Dingo Talk alumni tour. KJ, take it away.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is Kieran Dunn, founder of Maple Shade Outdoors. You're currently watching Dingo Talk with my man, Carlo. If you're anything like me and you're really enjoying this content, you should like and subscribe his page. While you're on YouTube, you should probably just head over and like and subscribe Maple Shade Outdoors. Check out our page, enjoy some videos, some outdoor content. You might as well hop on Instagram, Facebook, follow us, Maple Shade Outdoors. Now, that's enough about me. I'm trying to get back and watch the rest of Dingo Talk, so I'll talk to y'all later.
0: What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guarino. This is the Dingo Talk alumni tour. My guest this week is Mark Swiger, class of 1982. Uh, we left off. Mark was telling us about all the good times in, in, that happened in Bethany and, and I'm sure there's a multitude of more but what we can fit into the show. Uh, we're now at that part if you've watched any of the shows you know we're going to talk about that test that connects all of us together as Bethinians. Uh, comprehensive exams. So for you as a, as a history major what was the week leading up to comps like and then how did comps go?
1: Well, you know, I like to think of that as like a semester venture because, you know, you have your senior project due and see so if you, you finish that. Um, and then you start looking forward to the comps. Fortunately for me, I'd taken a, the base of all my courses by January and really was taking most of the electives and more uh, the teaching track uh, stuff that was just finishing the degree for education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I prepared well ahead of time for that I figured as a history major I had to know everything that ever happened in the world right that's what everyone says and then <laughs> I went to international studies as a master's degree and I found I know where it happened so everything so no I, the week leading up I had a, a fortunately my job my work study job was in the media center which at that time was in the basement of the library okay I had all those little rooms back there and so I took boxes of notebooks and Books that I figured would be on the the, the the comps, and reserved a room down there for two weeks, and had my boxes down there. And so I, I got out of the out of the Sigma Nu house, went down there. I spent bulk of my days down there, going two weeks in, and you know, the blue books we all wrote in those for comps. Uh, I think that we were prepared to write better than most places. And so I look back at it as an opportunity to, to explain some pretty detailed questions mm-hmm. uh, to my professors. And they weren't perfect. You knew you made some mistakes along the way. Um, the the comp- Leading up to comps was nerve wracking as all Bethanians know. But once I started writing and I knew five of the six questions, I I didn't have any problem with the six went I had a few questions with, I went into the oral exam and Mr. Young, the history chair, told me that I needed to relax, that I'd passed. They just had a few more questions. So it was from that question six that they grilled me and Mm -hmm. there were a few other little questions along the way, but I was pretty relaxed in the oral exams because I they had let me off the hook going in. So um, no it wasn't as as it wasn't as nerve-wracking as I saw a lot of my classmates going through actually with orals and they were worried. And of course we were all in different fields. So everyone had a different different um, experience with it. Uh, I had a really good relationship with my with the history faculty, political science faculty, always were they were always available. Mm -hmm. So I never felt uncomfortable with trying to work my way through that way of reasoning in a question they may have asked me. So I always, they were asking you that for four years, those same questions, only maybe not as detailed. And so for me, it wasn't as nerve wracking as, I guess I can say that now looking back, (laughs) it's coming up on, you know, 40 years. And, And so I guess... The mind has a way of blocking out the really terrible things
0: (laughs) and just remembering, like, yeah, I grad, I passed, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so I uh, I got really really drunk that day and don't remember a whole lot about the evening, but other than that, uh, it was really not as eventful for me as it might have been for some someone else.
0: Well, there is there really any other way to celebrate getting through (laughs) four years and. The real world coming now it's it's not at the
1: door knocking the door's open and but uh, you know carlo look at the screen I, you know there's still a little skinny guy in there giving a heck you know but <laughs> i like the resistance to things like alcohol or anything that was like I, my body was so toned to to train and run 100 mile weeks that uh, you know, a little taste of alcohol is going to knock you off your feet. So, <laughs> I wasn't a seasoned drinker or anything like that through college, but that day, uh, I don't don't remember a whole lot after dark. So, <laughs> so, so you graduate, and
0: right out of graduation, you're working at Cameron? Yeah, right. Cameron, How right. did that come about?
1: Uh, you know, I love my parents, and thank God I still have them and everything, but I moved home for... A month after I graduated in May of ni- 1982, and um, you know, I guess I moved out as quickly as I could, just because I realized why I moved out to begin with. But you know, we're at that age where you're trying to blaze your own trail. I did it coming to Bethany. Other than Jeff, um, there were no Elkins kids there at the time, and so I it was always felt like blazing the the trail was going to be important. Uh, I was going to apply to law school. And I always wanted to coach. So and I know you're going to break the stigma, the social studies coach thing, because everyone had those. Uh, a teacher at Cameron who, who had honors English class came up to me about five years after I started and said, I have to apologize. And I said, why is that, Sandy? And she said, because I thought you were just going to be another one of those social studies coaches, guys. <laughs> and so I started the honors social studies program there. Uh, there wasn't a cross country team and it was the only year I didn't, wasn't on a cross country team from uh, 1975 until 2003 that I was never on a team was the first year at Cameron high school. And I went to the principal and I said, can we start a cross country team here? And he says, is it going to hurt football? And I'm like, we can't, they're little skinny guys and girls. They're not going to be on the football football players. So so a few we ended up getting a few of those players eventually, but uh, you know it was that was just a great time. and I was fortunate. Uh, I took an assistant basketball job there. and although I played high school basketball and junior high and all that, uh, I didn't aspire to be a basketball coach. But in little schools where 300 students in sixth grades, uh, you do what you have to do. Uh, chaperoning dances all those things that you're going to end up doing in a small school that you wouldn't do normally in a big one but I landed um, as the assistant coach for Jim Crutchfield Jim uh, you may know who Jim is Jim's one of my best friends pretty successful time up there at West Liberty and now he's at Nova Southeastern and and people don't know this but he's the winningest coach in all divisions in basketball in NCAA history right up there with all of them so uh, you know That's why I'm saying I was always fortunate to be around people who were winning Mm -hmm. a lot. And so you can't help, but absorb some of that. And so my, my, I taught at Cameron for 15 years, but in the meantime, it was kind of hard to track me down because I was teaching at the school. Uh, I was an assistant track coach at John Marshall high school, coaching cross country at Cameron and basketball. And then in 1990, while I was still at Cameron, I started the cross-country program at Wheeling Jesuit and left John. I was the head track coach at John Marshall for a couple of years in interim. So I was in on Woodsdale, driving the school every morning to Cameron, going out there in the fall. I could coach out there until 1990. In 1990, I had to run, back, really race back into Wheeling to coach the cross-country team there. In the spring, I was still at John Marshall. So I was teaching and actually teaching, coaching in three locations at the same time. And so just just the way my life was and working on a master's degree. So, uh, you know, it was a crazy time. I I attribute an awful lot of the successes I had to uh, working in that little school out in rural Marshall County. And it brought me back there a little later. Uh, We built a brand new high school out there and I was fortunate enough to be on the the sustainability team that was going to build it. It's It's built with lead principals, uh, it's a great school. If you've not seen it, it's a highly sustainable building, one of the greenest buildings in West Virginia. And so I was able to, to give back a little bit to that place in ways that now are enhancing the lives of those children to this day. So it, it, it made you realize you had to give back to a little place like that. Those little communities are the lifeblood of the country. And uh, a lot of great years there, coaching with Jim and then running my own programs and that sort of thing. The year I left Cam or went to Jesuit the next year, the girls cross country team at Cameron won the all class cross country championship in West Virginia. When, when all the classes ran against each other. Yeah. And fortunately that year, one of my best friends in the world was a cross country coach at John, John Marshall. Cameron went first and John Marshall was second. In the same county so they that was a hotbed for distance running in West Virginia at that time, at that point so I never won a state championship at Cameron but we started something ended up winning two or three of them in all classes all classes combined
0: well and, and for your coaching career uh, as I'm looking down at again I have a I have a cheat sheet here with the stats on it but um, three-time West Virginia intercollegiate athletic conference women's cross-country coach of the year Two time for the men's in the conference. Um, let's see. And two times you were named NAIA Mid South Region uh, Coach of the Year. And it says here in my, his, your team won six WVIAC cross country titles at the time since 1991 and had coached 28 all-conference runners and 11 all-academic Americans since 1990. Now, you said that that number is actually a lot larger with the conference yeah.
1: championships. because what, what happened, I think you're reading the stats off of the Hall of Fame sheet. That's right. That, that's, that's where I took some of them from. I was inducted in 96, and the heyday of Wheeling Jesuit was from 96 to 2003 when I resigned um, in that span of time, all told it was 17 awards, but we won 21 conference championships from 90 to 2003. And that, that math doesn't sound right, but that was men's and women's cross country, men's and women's track. So there were four events every year, Yeah, 45 championships that we coached in and 20, 21 of them we won and we were runners up. We never finished lower than third. So our program was really an awesome program and the span that we were there. And I was just exhausted and couldn't do it anymore. (laughs) It was like I was still teaching all the time and and working uh, in statewide programming and all all the academic stuff, but uh, it was a great run and they've still continued to be pretty powerful down there. We did have three NCAA champions in track and field, 22 All-Americans, and then it was dozens of academic All-Americans before it was over with, but uh, yeah, we were always in the thick of things. And like I said, the, the conference is no longer around WVIEC. But I always joke with Jim. I said, I think in the conference rankings, I had a better winning percentage than you did. <laughs> you have got all the national accolades, final fours and all that stuff. But uh, we still discuss all those good old days. But well, it was a day there.
0: So let's talk about the, I want to talk about the Fulbright Hayes Fellowship. That you that that you uh, is that, that that's a, that's an
1: award correct I mean it was awarded, it's a, it's a study abroad program that's fun, is funded by the U.S. Department of Education uh, to it, it has a lot of there are ex- external missions that that fit in but it's really to actually be working in another country uh, teaching uh, observing contributing. I just happened, this is really one of the, probably one of the coolest ones that was probably ever given. Uh, And it was given to a team of 12 teachers that went to South Africa the year after the first all race election. So we were in South Africa, all over the country, hundreds of schools from art schools to farm schools, all different uh, races of people um, that were finally coming together in some way uh, to celebrate post-colonial Africa. And so uh, very fortunate to have been included in that. It was funny. I just spoke with the project manager for that program called South Africa Today. uh, And I took a survey course at WVU in 1993. It was on Africa and human rights. It was a master's level program. And one of the visiting professors was the Dean at Hunter College from New York City who's now in her eighties uh, was on the freedom rides with Dr. King and all, all the stuff that went on. And so I, I was mesmerized just sitting, listening to the experiences that she had, Well, she invited me to be on that team. Uh, we applied and then I ended up going with uh, with her and a group of teachers from the, from the United States, but we were really the first ones in following the all race elections and uh, they, sanctions had been lifted and they were celebrating you had all the Paul Simon Graceland posters all over the, the country and so there were a lot of really cool things in that visit that uh, and really I wasn't there a whole year I only went for the summer months full Fulbright's a lot of times will immerse themselves in a full year study uh, we went as a team and um, it was Fulbright funded um, Fulbright Hayes funded and that, that is part of the U.S. Department of Education so I would encourage Bethanians, young Bethanians who uh, who aspire to be you know, um, teachers, professors, to actually go do a Fulbright, go do one of those, and see if you can get uh, some study abroad. And fortunately, it did was, was able to give back to Bethany, and then I taught for a couple semesters the geography cl- adjunct geography classes, so I had a good time with that. And we missed each
0: other by a year, from from what your LinkedIn said.
1: Oh, okay, uh, that's good.
0: Yeah. Um, so you talked about the school in Cameron that is now that has been rebuilt and is the is the greenest school in the
1: state. Well, there are two schools in Marshall County, and when while I was in Marshall County, um, we helped develop a program. I was on a stakeholder committee with the U.S. Department of Ed called the Green National Green Ribbon Schools Program. And it's like the Blue Ribbon schools, except that you have to practice sustainable practices within your organization, your school, to get that recognition. And so Hilltop Elementary in Marshall County is the first LEED certified school in West Virginia. Uh, it, is, it was the greenest at the time. Um, then uh, Cameron was built. And so we used LEED principals there as well. With a lot of new technologies and so it probably is greener. It didn't get the LEED certification because it was in the throes of administrative change down there, and so they just didn't pay for the plaque. But um, no, those two schools are flagship schools for West Virginia when it comes to sustainability. And Marshall County Schools uh, is one of the was one of the first fourteen U.S. Department of Education recognized National District Sustainability Award winners. Uh, We took great pride in the 10 years from 2002 to 2012 under the leadership of Lloyd Ernest, who was an energy manager, to reduce the operating costs. Uh, Marshall County School reduced their CO2 emissions, but they also reduced the amount that they paid for, for energy and water because of those efficiency practices. And they did it through behavioral practices before we even built those new schools. So Marshall County Schools uh, is a flagship for the nation literally it was one of the inaugural winners of that award so there have been a lot since then it's been 10 years now that they've had those awards a half dozen schools in West Virginia I helped write applications for and coach a little bit and do some of those things so those I'm proud of those schools for having Continue done that to uh, as well yeah yeah they are and they're still doing it and So we're bringing schools into work with the Green Building Alliance in Pittsburgh and a sustainability culture program. Uh, We've had some cohorts meet in the back dining hall at Bethany College for some meetings because we needed a place to eat. And uh, we said that food, when they revamped the cafeteria, it was as good as it gets. And so we started to look at those sustainability pieces. And I have talked with Dr. Rodenberg and many other people on campus about uh, these projects that they may want to do down the road. Uh, those would be just little things that I can contribute back in, uh, in ways that maybe uh, I could as an alum. So. so we've come to the point
0: I have, I, I finish every show and you being a, a division three athlete, I'm going to start with the first one. If you were talking to a, a prospective student right now, or a prospective
1: student's parents, why division three? I don't think it's ever about that really uh, you know I coached it I've coached it the two of two and three levels and I, I just think there's a place for every kid somewhere. Uh, I turned down scholarships at NAIA schools to go to Bethany to be at a division three school and as a as a decent student I got a lot of those scholarships back anyway. Uh, and so, uh, so well, it's a well-endowed uh, college with aspirations to make world-changing citizens from their graduates. Uh, I think that there's no value you, can, you can't place a value on that kind of uh, that kind of quality. And as for the. The sports stuff. Uh, look, cross country and track. Uh, there were years when Division two runners were the best ones in the, in the country, mm-hmm. and the same thing with, with Division three. If you're a good student uh, and you've you're getting those scholarships, there are tremendous advantages to going to a Division three school uh, instead of two or one. One thing that I could tell you is that had I gone to Division one schools. Um, I might not have been running in Thanksgiving. I might have been done in October. Yeah. At the re- at the conference championship meet, and and I know at the Division Two level, we had athletes who make the Olympic trials. They would have never made a Division One, maybe not out of their conference, but because they had an extra month to prepare for their NCA championship and to peak them properly, their seasons were extended and they became better than a lot of the Division Ones. So. Uh, I just don't think I think people get caught up on the division one, two, II, and three. maybe it's dads wanting to brag on the golf course about their kid getting a scholarship or whatever it, the case may be. but uh, I think the the real uh, the real reason to go to school is wrapped up in what Division three schools are and uh, and it does give you a chance to compete at, at all levels. When I was coaching, we went to Notre Dame we went to to, to the division one meets at Pitt and Duquesne and those places. We weren't afraid of that. And I think if you, in a division three, this gives you an opportunity, opportunity to be fearless, to, to really go out there and challenge yourself to be, to be better. And there, there are a lot of good reasons to go division three, mostly places like Bethany uh, make really create a situation where you're a man or a woman for others. Well, that's,
0: that leads into my my last question of the interview is if you're now forget the division three side
1: of it why bethany wow it's it's the same reason i i loved it there was as soon as i set foot there and started to talk to professors and the staff you know you walk you walk even to this day i walk in a cafeteria and the, the ladies know you from then 40 years ago and it's so um you know, it's an interesting place in that, you know, Larry Hummel was there when I was there. People talked to Larry. Larry talked to the students. Everyone knows everybody there. Mm-hmm. It's like cheers, right? Everybody knows your sure. name. And it is. And it's, it's just a fun, it's a fun place to learn. But what you pull out of a place like that, and it's the paradox again. It's the same with school and with sports. It's not, maybe it isn't the, the, you know, the snappy uh, workouts that a coach gives you that makes you a better person. What what makes you a better person is what you get from a school like Bethany. You become a better son, daughter, aunt or uncle, husband or wife, friend. All those things you become better at because you've got some experience with it. And you don't always get that everywhere. I, I, I just think that Bethany is a great place. It's where I met my wife. It's mm-hmm. where my best friends and my lifelong friends were on those teams in that fraternity, and so um, they're still my friends, and the high school friends are they're still there. It's a level of maturity that makes you revisit some of them and wish you had known them as adults instead of as kids. Yeah, but lifelong friends are the ones that I met at Bethany, and they always will be. Well. I want to
0: say one last time thank you very much for being on the show. This was Mark Swiger class of two of 1982. Why do I do that at the end of every episode? Thank you Carlo. just keep giving me <laughs> maybe that little skinny guy will come back on the other part of the
1: screen.
0: I am Carlo, you know, we have to send it to the uh the Leonardo DiCaprio, George Clooney, I don't know what he's got. James Dean, I think he tried to call himself earlier today. Harry Chambers, he's going to tell us everything about his store. Uh Mark, thank you very much for being on the show. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll see you this summer.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. Thanks, Carla. Thank you. Have a good day. No no. Doubt. we had some interesting things happen in Bethany. We had a, a we had a piece of property to the north of town, declared its own private country. Um, Ruth Germond was a famous local figure.
0: So Patricia was more, ad, the sister was more an activist for that. And she was, I
1: think. Mm-hmm. She was the sister was a doctor or something wasn't She She was a doctor, yes. And, uh,
0: Came back here, was, uh, apparently retired.
1: And she was she was shot, fatally shot on that farm, wasn't she? Right. She was having uh, the, his,
0: her sister Ruth had a boyfriend who he, she brought in from
1: Texas, and his name was Desert Owl. Be Mr. Owl, to those of you who didn't know him. O-W-L? <laughs> owl?
0: Uh, I've, right, I've never seen it. But I friend. think that's that's the story behind him, right? Is it was desert owl, yeah. like the bird. Right, right. And uh, one night he came back. Or she came back to harass him about leaving. She was trying to get him to leave. Uh, and he came up on the porch, and he shot. She shot him twice. He shot her twice. Once, not very badly wounded, but when she turned her back, she got one in the back.
1: <laughs> mm. And that—that that was never prosecuted, was it?
0: I'm not sure. I think it was tried, but not, I'm not sure no, that he was prosecuted. No, I
1: don't know. no
0: guilty conviction.
1: You've just watched another exciting episode of Dingo Talk, recorded in the secret lair deep in the hills of Bethany, West Virginia. Let me give a shout out to my man Don over at Maple Shade Outdoor, he's got some great stuff going on over there on YouTube and Instagram, please make sure you check him out. Also now available as promised, we have the second edition Bethany, West Virginia Mushroom Capital of the World t-shirts and our Chambers General Store. If we don't have it, you don't need it t shirts available in all sizes. So make sure you stop by the store for a t shirt, breakfast sandwich, or sausage biscuits and gravy, and make sure to check out those daily lunch specials. Now back to you, Dingo. Bye now. You want to know, bye now. You want to know, bye now.